Hello and welcome to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. This is a show that explores the landscape of the nonprofit organization, big and small, offers some incredibly helpful information and resources, and gives nonprofits a place to share ideas and get advice. I'm your host, Joe Turner. Our show is sponsored by Sukup Strategic Solutions, offering a wide variety of services to help nonprofits maximize their impact. So let's get into solving the problems that might be plaguing your nonprofit. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Impactability. This is really going to be an interesting conversation because when it comes to measuring your progress, evaluating the outcomes, that is the basis behind assessing how you're meeting your goals. And let's face it, every nonprofit wants to meet or exceed their goals. Now, whether it's something you think about or not, collecting the data can help you determine whether or not you're making progress towards your goals, whether you're advancing your mission. That's what we're talking about on today's show. We're going to kick the tires a little bit, check under the hood of your nonprofit, and we've got an amazing mechanic to help us do this work. Dr. David Renz is our guest. He's Professor Emeritus of Nonprofit Leadership and Director Emeritus at Midwest Center for Nonprofit Leadership at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. An award-winning educator and scholar, Dave teaches and conducts research on nonprofit and public service leadership, especially nonprofit governance and board effectiveness. David has also worked with more than 160 boards, commissions, and networks in the past two decades. Busy guy. Among other initiatives, he's helped found the Nonprofit Academic Centers Council, a network of university-based nonprofit centers, and the Forum of Regional Association of Grant Makers. I like that. If you're getting the idea that he knows a lot about the nonprofit world, you would be correct. Dave, welcome to Impactability today. Well, thank you, Joe. It's great to be with you today. Good to have you. Let's let's start with the basics, Dave. What is organizational assessment, which is our topic today, and why should my nonprofit even be doing it? Well, to be honest, Joe, organizational assessment is a lot of different things. And one of the first messages I'd like to, I guess, bring home is that organizational assessment is grounded in what it is you need to know. Now, as you said in the introduction, you know, a lot of organizational assessments are focused on performance and outcomes. And that's that's really useful and appropriate, you know, mm-hmm. trying to figure out, well, you know, we've implemented this program or initiative, and now we or others, ideally both you and your constituents, want to know, have we achieved some degree of change? And One of the things to be aware of, and I'll probably hit this point a couple of times in our discussion here, is that it really depends on what it is you think you need to or want to know and what it is other stakeholders and constituents of your organization want to know or should know about your work and your performance. I'd like to distinguish, I guess, when we talk about organizational assessment, is you talked in the intro about what often would be thought of as a performance assessment or a program impact assessment or something like that. And that is one kind of assessment. There are also assessments, however, that focus on sort of deeper. You you use the metaphor of the mechanic under the hood and the assessment there might well be how well is the engine performing? Are the parts all there? Are they adequately arrayed and functioning so that 
we don't just claim, we actually are operating in a way that achieves the outcomes that we specify for our mission, but usually also for shorter term, whether it's a program or a, a grant cycle or something like that. Ultimately, the point is this, people who are funding and or investing time and energy in the work of your organization want to know, does it make a difference that we do so? Hmm. So what does an assessment look like? Some people think of assessments as report cards. You know, did you perform it at A or B or C level in the process? If you've outlined outcomes and, and results in a grant proposal or an annual report or something like that, you're collecting data that is aligned specifically with generating the numbers and or stories that align with the outcomes and results that you said you are going to achieve. You know, by the way, one of the things that's often a real problem for organizations is that somebody writes a grant with, uh, with a very compelling statement about these outcomes that we'll achieve, but they haven't worked with the rest of the folks in the organization to assess whether we're set up for and actually are going to be capable of delivering on that. And by the way, the very process of going through assessment means you need to be set up to know what data we're collecting and how often and when and how will we interpret it and report it. Increasingly, um, I, I will say there are assessments in the current environment that focus a lot on organizational capacity and internal climate. In this era of the so-called great resignation, one of the critical questions is, how satisfied and effectively engaged is your workforce? Is your climate in your organization and the culture of the organization actually strong enough to engage people who will deliver the work and ultimately achieve the results? There are some assessments that don't focus on those program results. They focus on the organizational health. Candidly, a lot of boards want to do assessments because it helps them understand the state of well-being or need or both for their organization. Right. Well, you know, on the subject of doing assessments, especially I'm thinking, you know, a smaller nonprofit, you know, smaller but growing nonprofit, how often should they be doing one? Well, it's not the sort of thing that you're going to be doing if we're talking about for example, the financial management or the financial leadership or the nonprofit capacity assessment. In fact, I often do an assessment as a lead into strategic planning because what it is, you know, I mean, it's basically a form of environmental scanning, but the environment is the organization. And what you're doing is getting a sense of how healthy and well are we positioned for our next generation of service and where we need to shore things up, it's going to go into the plan. So what you're saying then is you want to make sure that you got all your ducks in a row before you do a strategic plan. Yeah, well, ducks in a row in the sense that you have the data you need to know what you're planning for. Mm -hmm. The real value of an assessment is in gathering data that will inform how we continue to grow and develop the organization in order to achieve greater and more sustainable long-term impact. So you know, I worry about the report card part of this thing because then it's a judgment. 
And what it really should be is data for us to inform how do we continue to sustain and enhance our performance over the long term. And if you're a tiny nonprofit, you'll probably do more of that as a self-assessment. Maybe have your board do a self-assessment. There's some very good board self-assessments out there. Um, you could have your board and your staff uh, do a capacity assessment or a financial leadership assessment. These are not the things that you're going to do every year. The things that come up every year would be the performance metrics. Right. Did we meet our performance expectations? <laughs> One of the basics being, did we make a break, make our budget or not? I mean, you know, that's that's an assessment. Uh, it's a pretty blunt and objective assessment, whereas some of these other things are more judgment calls. And I want to underscore that that's not a criticism, it's a value. A real valuable part of doing assessments is to host a discussion with key actors, ideally on board and in leadership, if not full organizational roles, maybe some key leadership folks in, in your volunteer ranks. I mean, if you're a, a museum that uses a lot of volunteers as docents, you probably want to involve them in some of this. But the idea is to use the process as a dialogue to A, come to some consensus about where it would be most useful to grow and develop our organization and the work we're doing. And sometimes if it's not going at all well, maybe you stop a program or something, but generally it's about growing and developing it. And by involving people in the discussion, they're more bought into the conclusions about, oh, well, we're going to go in this way or that way. But they were part of developing the data and participating in the analysis. So they're much more likely to be in support of and understand the reason for the conclusions that have come out uh, along the way. Now, you also want to use this information to tell the world for your organization, hey, this is this is how we make sure we're healthy and performing well, and these are the results we achieve. And candidly, while it worries some people in organizations, it actually, for most funders and donors, is a credit that you're doing this kind of self-analysis, self-improvement. Well, you still look better to your funders when they say, oh, you're reflective about where you are and are not performing as well as you could. Right. Well, and you brought up self-assessing earlier. And, and I got to wonder if you can get good information when you self-assess, or is there a chance of bias in that? There's always a chance of bias. Self-assessments are only as good as the unbiased nature of the assessor, which is you. It's like holding up a mirror to yourself. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I won't speak for anybody else. But my wife has informed me that even when I'm standing in front of a mirror looking at myself, I'm missing some of the imperfections that that mirror logically would tell me I have. But frankly, I'm either used to them or I don't see them or both. But again, if you're using it as a learning tool for the or learning and development tool for the organization, if you've got a solid framework, which is why I think it's important to use a well-structured and validated tool. In other words, there's some research defending its validity. Then you've got a better chance of a stronger result being of value. That said, if you have the resources, doing assessments with a mix of self and external advisors is stronger. 
there's real importance to enhancing the validity by having an independent sort of neutral person gathering that data. You know, people are sometimes inclined to share the, the mediocre or bad news with a neutral than they are to tell the board chair or CEO, well, you know, I guess you guys are okay, but they suck and they suck and they're, and, and by the way, that's even if you're neutral, if you're not careful, you kind of, you as the leader get sucked into the game where it's kind of like, what do you mean they suck? I mean, do you know how hard work has been for them? It's kind of like, this isn't a debate, it's an information collection process. Right, right. And that's what people need to realize. If, if And I'm thinking if a nonprofit wants to be the best operation that they can, this is certainly a topic they need to be paying close attention to. Tell you what, we're going to take a break right now. But when we come back, we're going to dig a little deeper, find out how your organization can see what's going on, and find out what's working, what's not working, how you can start doing assessments for your nonprofit, and... How much is that going to cost you anyway? We're going to answer all those questions and more in just a moment. You're listening to Impactability. It's the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm Joe Turner. We'll be right back. Sometimes there's just not enough hours in the day to get the work at your nonprofit done. Sukup Strategic Solutions can help. We handle all kinds of projects, especially the ones you can't seem to get to. Fundraising, marketing, grant writing, communications, and more. With Sukup Strategic Solutions, you'll have a team of nonprofit professionals working for you. You'll have more hands on deck, reduce overhead, and increase efficiency. For a free consultation on how we can help lighten the load at your nonprofit, visit SukupStrategicSolutions.com. Maximize your impact with Sukup Strategic Solutions. Welcome back to Impactability, the Nonprofit Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Turner. What an amazing conversation we're having with our guest, Dr. David Renz, about organizational assessments, whether your organization needs one, and they do, and how you should do it, and when you should do it. Dave, looking back on your career, tell me about a time when a client that you were working with, a group that you were working with, a nonprofit, when they did an assessment that made a huge difference in their success probably one organization in particular that was trying to expand its portfolio of programs to serve a given segment of the urban core of of a metropolitan region. And they really felt called to expand like by about 40% its programming for a given segment of the community. But they were doing assessments in the community that weren't about the organization, but they were about the work the organization could do in the community, hearing directly from prospective clients and prospective donors. And what the organization learned through the process of aligning what external needs as perceived by people who were important to them and their internal capacities perceived by their staff and their board they had to think about what's the alignment and how much work will it take us to build our capacity to take this organization to the next level because they just did not want to keep it going. I mean, they were doing okay, but they knew that they couldn't just keep it going with what it was they had. So the assessment becomes a resource to start focusing people's attention on what are the things that need to go into this. Yeah, well, and you know, I'm thinking... It's all, it all sounds really good. I like the fact that I know where I want to go and an assessment can help me get there. And it can really tell me the nuts and bolts, the stuff beneath the surface that I need to know about my nonprofit. So all of this is good. Now I'm thinking to myself, 
I don't trust me. I don't trust our team. I don't trust us to do this self-assessment. We, we need to do this right, so we're going to hire this out. Is that pretty costly? Well, it's all over the map, Joe. It's never, I was going to say it's never free. And especially when you consider the larger package, which is it's not free because it takes time. Even if you do a self-assessment, you're investing time and money. It's just that you're already paying it on payroll. And, and that's an issue. It is very common for an organization that's going to undertake a fairly substantial assessment, especially if they haven't been doing something like this before, to go to a funder and ask if they'd be willing to support part or maybe uh, all, but some segment of the assessment, because we're going to do this to ensure that uh, our organization is here and performing for the long term. Uh, ideally, these are funders who already exist. There are some communities that actually have funds in their community foundations or certain found, uh, foundations have funds for certain mission categories that are their areas of focus. And so you might secure resources that way. What's the actual cost going to be? Well, I mean, you know, the truth is it's kind of like remodeling your house. I mean, what's it going to cost to remodel my house? You know, it's kind of like, well, do you want to fix the dishwasher or are you going to, you know, redo the whole exterior? Unfortunately, I just got bids for repainting my house. Most consultants will meet with you at no cost, talk through it, start with a connection, find a consultant who might at least sit down and talk with you about it. And then if you're not sure, ask them for a range. Well, what would be a core but really basic assessment and the cost for it and how much time would it take? And by the way, the question is, how much time does it take for the consultant? How much time does it take from us, our board, our executives, our staff, our volunteers? Because that is a cost. By the way, it's a good cost to incur, but you want to know ahead of time. You should feel free to go back and forth with them and say, hey, I see the value of this. It's really not manageable for us to go more than $8,000 on this or you know, 16, whatever. So help us hone in on the most important elements of this assessment. Mm. So I'm thinking of a lot of the nonprofits in our listening audience who are smaller nonprofits. They're growing and, and this sounds really good. It's a great way, like we said at the beginning, kick the tires a little bit. So what advice would you have for the nonprofit that hasn't done any type of assessment? So I guess what I'm saying, Dave, it's my nonprofit. I want you to talk me into it. And what should we assess first? Where should we start? Well, assessments are tools. So the question is, what are you trying to accomplish? And then what tools in the toolbox are going to be more useful? You know, for example, if you say, you know, we got lots of needs around here, but I really wish our board performed more effectively. Well, okay, so there are several board assessments, including some board self-assessments that could be done. So the, the general category I'm referring to, what is hurting in your organization? What are the hurting system or systems that you feel could enable you to achieve substantially greater impact if that part of the organization were working. What are the pain points? Exactly, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to put it. I haven't internalized that phrase, but that is the point. And if you don't have a lot of money, but you intuitively feel like, you know, I think we could be doing better. Now, there are a couple of very broad assessment tools that are available that just ask a couple of questions about each of a dozen different elements of the organization. 
If you're just trying to say, you know, we don't even know where the pain points are. We need to identify, we, we feel like we got some pain somewhere, but we don't know what the pain is. Okay, we'll start with that broader organization-wide capacity assessment. Then that might say to you, just to play with what I was saying earlier, oh, look at this, we, need, we have a need to, to improve our governance. So your next layer, you can just kind of go step-by-step, step. do the broad overall health check, see where maybe there's something that seems much more out of whack than the other pieces and then find a self-assessment for that. And so, you know, if it was the board, you would uh, do a board self-assessment. And again, there are, there are a number of them that are quite short. Um, there are some others that are longer and better validated for research, but just choose one that you can find has some substance to it. In general, uh, there is a very useful website page uh, hosted uh, in the uh, website for the National Council of Nonprofits. There is a segment of their website on organizational assessment, and they have hot links to several of these kinds of things. The benefit there is that the National Council has vetted them to at least some degree, so we know that it's not completely a fly-by-night thing. By the way, it is not useful, and it sometimes can be very damaging or hurtful, to just go out and say, hey, what do you think about us? Are we great or, or, or do we suck? I mean, you know, you need a framework. Be systematic. Even if it's a small scale kind of a step, get a systematic thing and just begin with that. And then use that to improve the piece at a time. You know, the, the old cliche, which I can't say I've ever actually tried in practice, is, you know, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. The point of it is start with something that's bite-sized that you can get your hands around. And as you start to grow what ideally would become an ongoing, moderately demanding, but not terribly demanding cycle of assessment, maybe for a different part of the organization each year, and you just identify an item or two for next year's work program based on something you learned from today's assessment. You know, that is great advice. Start small, start bite-sized. And, and grow it as as your nonprofit grows. Dave, we're out of time. I can't thank you enough. This has been amazing conversation and we got to have you back to continue because there's so much more that we have yet to uncover. I so appreciate your expertise on this subject. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being on Impectability today. Well, you're very kind, Joe. I appreciate it. Thank you. Time once again for another edition of Coach's Corner. This is where we take the questions that you send us, and they could be about anything. I mean, anything that's going on at your nonprofit could be something serious, maybe something fun, maybe you need a different opinion. Whatever it is, send us those questions, impactcoaches at impactability.net. And we've got a really good one that was sent us. Our impact coach today is Dr. Lou Trena. He's been a guest on our program a number of times, and we couldn't think of a better person to answer this question than Dr. Trena. So, Lou, here's the question. Listen closely. This one is about naming opportunities. And they say that naming is currently being used as a donor thank you instead of a true naming opportunity. They need a strategy instead of a thank you. What can we do? And it's signed anonymous. Now, Lou, on Coach's Corner, you have only five minutes to answer the question, and you're going to get right at it. Your five minutes begins right now. 
I've got to throw back a few questions in order to get to this. And uh, one is, is it, is it a capital campaign for brick and mortar where you actually have a physical structure that has financial needs? Another could be a plan to expand operations, to create new, new avenues, to reach new, new service potential that, that a nonprofit may have. And all those typically go into a campaign arena, if you will. And, and then the question is, how do we establish naming rights based on that? So I think if you're if you really are looking at, uh, if this is a question that has to do with namings that would provide for a physical structure or provide for the expansion of programs, um, the first thing you have to do is you have to do your research. And you can actually identify people that have supported you in the past. You can identify board members. Uh, you can look at prospects and they'll tell you pretty much what level gift they will make to a major gift campaign or a capital campaign. So you'll know from the research how many people can potentially make that seven-figure gift, let's say, in the $2 million range. And you can know from your from the research you can in your gift chart, you may find people that can make a gift in the million-dollar range. And, and then you come down to $750,000, $500,000. It all has to do with the gift chart that you come up with. And once you establish that gift chart, we've got good research behind the naming right, what you're looking to raise, then you can apply the naming rights to those levels. So once you get the gift chart done, that's when I would take a look at the gift chart and I would establish the naming rights at those levels. But let me just say this, I have been with organizations that have with recognition to a, uh, a board member and a person that served for many years. Uh, this was a board member that served on the foundation board for a university and also was very generous to that university. And the university decided that they were going to recognize this person because of her leadership, her service, and her generosity. And uh, did, as a recognition, you know, provide a name of a building that the university had. And there was no exchange. It was not a transaction. You know, here's the gift. You get this naming right because of the gift. This was just an outright recognition. So if it's a true recognition where you're not accepting a gift, but you're recognizing someone for, you're not accepting it based on the name recognition, but you're actually providing this name recognition because of service that the person provided, uh, the leadership they provided, uh, whether it be volunteer leadership, whether it be uh, the gifts they've made in the past over time, maybe it's the significance of that gift. But if it has to do with past support, uh, I, I would think uh, a name recognition as a thank you would be uh, obviously most appropriate. It depends on whether it's a true thank you. Okay, you're thanking them because of the leadership they provided in the past. Maybe it's their volunteer service that they provided in the past. Maybe it's the, the amount of money they've given you in the past over time. So the level is not important here. What's important is you're, you're recognizing them for their past service and their, their support. As long as there is an exchange, as long as it's not a transaction, as long as you're not saying, you know, um, you know we're, we're expecting you to make this, to continue this, or we're expecting you to make a gift of so much over time, uh, and then, then we'll do this transaction where we'll, put some, we'll name something on your behalf. That's nothing to do with that. It has to be a genuine thank you where you're actually giving out the name because of their, their past service and support. Dr. Trena, we knew we asked the right person this question. We thank you so much for helping us today on Coach's Corner. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Anytime. If you've got a question for Coach's Corner, we want to hear from you. Email them to us at impactcoaches at impactability.net. Again, that's impactcoaches 
at impactability.net. And if you want to reach me, my email address is joe.turner at impactability.net. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, and that way you'll get new episodes downloaded just as soon as they come out. Also, please give us a review or a rating so that your peers in the nonprofit industry can find us as well. I'm Joe Turner. Thanks for listening, and thank you for all you do to make the world a better place through your nonprofit.